Greetings, Minecrafters, and welcome to another Minecraft discussion. I'm so excited. Today, this is Kimberly Quinn, and I am, it is my honor and just pleasure, and I'm just ecstatic to have this talk today because the topic of self-love deficit is just one that is just um, very interesting to me, very meaningful, very meaningful to me because, as I mentioned, you know, I, I, I definitely know all too well what it was like to you know to, to grow up and not with blame because i'm not into that at this stage in my life just explaining and describing that you know uh this whole idea of losing connection with our feeling of original worthiness that's the feeling we were brought into this wonderful world with babies know that they are inherently loved and cherished when they come into this world they just know it their little baby selves just expect that everybody's going to want them around and to just want to snuggle and hold them and and cherish, which you know I love that word. I've, I mentioned that a lot because it's, it's, it's love amped up because it's just really wrapping around somebody like a burrito and just loving every cell of who they are. Okay, so we, when we kind of talk about how self-love deficit starts, and I'm deliberately not saying self-love deficit disorder for a reason. I think anybody who knows me and listens to these podcasts knows how not a fan I am of the word disorder. Why? Because it's a it's a shame word and I'm not a fan of shame. In fact, I'm on the anti-shame campaign um, because the word disorder, like attention deficit disorder, I'm in the fast mind club, which is what I prefer to say, because attention deficit disorder makes it sound like something's wrong with me. There is nothing wrong with me. I'm a spiritual being having a human experience, trying to figure it out like everybody else. There is nothing wrong with me. I'm a work in progress. And the word disorder really uh, insinuates, implies that there's something wrong with us or bipolar disorder or whatever. So somebody's challenged with a difference, whether it's a difference in mood wiring, a difference in, you know, um, skill sets and intelligence, whatever the difference is, you know, um, the way they perceive things, I'm thinking like people are wired differently with dyslexia or whatever. When we say disorder, it just implies that however you're wired is not okay and you're damaged goods, you're broken, you're flawed, you're defective. No way. So we're talking about self-love deficit. There is no word disorder, even syndrome attached to that. It's just a deficit of self-love because when we were infants and then small children and then maybe teenagers on up, we did not have the mirroring of our own value by our caregivers, who are usually our parents. Obviously, they can be a grandparent or an aunt or uncle or, you know, godparents or, who, or whomever. But we did not have the mirroring of our own authentic value. And this becomes problematic because this, when we're having our value mirror, mirror for us, is how we learn about who we are from the ground up, like the minute we exit mom is this beautiful, you know, wet little cherub wrapped in a blanket, not a visual everybody wants, but that's how, that's sort of what happened. Right. And so, and we're not, look, we're also not talking about perfect. We've talked about that before. We're not talking about perfect parents or caregivers. And Donald Winnicott came up with the idea of the good or concept of the good enough mother concept idea, I guess, same thing um, of the good enough mother back in the fifties, which we would now say good enough parent. So really, he found back in the 50s that if, if, a, if a child grew up with a parent who was attentive the high majority of the time when they were hungry, angry, sick, or tired, 
and held them and basic needs met and all of that, that even if they slipped up and they were tired and they came in late from work and the child had to wait for a few minutes or something here and there, that's just not the end of the world. We're looking for good enough parents. So the parents attended to your needs, the high, 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 high majority of the time. The good enough parent would also have mirrored your own value for you. You know, wow, um, wow, Raphael, you know, you just have, wow, are you good at this? Why are you good at that? Wow, the effort you put into this just made it so much better. Oh, look at this. Look at this painting you made in kindergarten. Da, 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 da. Wow, aren't you, aren't you so sweet to help mommy finish the dishes? Why aren't you so sweet to help daddy cook the dinner? Da, da, you know, ba, 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 ba. wow. Do, wow, are you just so kind sitting next to your friend who didn't have somebody to, to, to sit with at school at, at lunch or something? You know, ba, 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 fill in the blank. And then later on with all the effort that goes into I'm saying effort. I'm a big fan of praising effort. That's very Carol Dweck. But effort with school, effort with sports, effort with friendships is even better. All this mirrored for us. So we that's how we learn about who we are. You know, that's how we learn about who we are, our character traits and our skill sets and talents and all this stuff. And if that isn't mirrored for us, we it's very difficult to kind of navigate in the, you know, in the beginning and up through to adulthood even who we are. And also, also if our caregivers didn't mirror our own value, but also if they, in addition to not mirroring our value, we're, you know, being critical. We're not, we're not talking about redirecting behavior and appropriate discipline that that goes along with parenting. Hopefully, you know, we're talking about uh, caregivers usually who are usually the parents, you know, just sort of constantly talking about how you don't measure up being critical and, 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 uh, you know, all the way on the spectrum of that, you know, emotionally abusive, maybe physically or sexually abusive, all that stuff plays in too, you know, because if, you know, in addition to being, you know, criticized, again, we're not talking about healthy parental discipline. We need that. We're talking about, you know, being critical and, and just, um, and maybe again, emotionally abusive, if, if, if physical abuse, just the message of physical abuse being thrown against the wall right there says you're not valuable. I don't value not you enough. I don't value you. I'm throwing your body into a wall. So with something severe like that, even without the words, we can learn that they're, that we're not valuable and any combination of that, obviously. So here's how the self-love deficit comes into play, right? We, we enter the world as, as cheeky little cherubs, just knowing inherently that we are loved and accepted and wanted and you know, a new little baby just knows that I'll be snuggled and cared for and then enter sort of the, somehow we're introduced to shame, which is what we're talking about with all the ways we don't measure up and the criticism. And that can come from obviously the, the grownups in our lives, even older siblings, if there's a little bit of a gap, you know, in age there and uh, also media. And we, and what happens is we, we make agreements with, with these messages that are we, we agree with these messages that are said to us. Why? Because they, they must be true because these are my parents. Usually it's a parents, right? These are my parents or it's my grandparent or whatever. So if they're saying this and you're obviously you don't have the language for this when you're, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, and like that. And that, that goes right in the vault. And then we, we learn become conditioned. Those are really synonymous learning and becoming conditioned. We learn to seek out information, which we already hold to be true. 
So we've heard how we don't measure up. We're not smart enough, you know, tall enough, um, helpful enough. We don't work hard enough, you know, which translates into lazy. All these, we make agreements with them and come to believe them as we, you know, become older children then into adulthood. So, you know, we're walking around with, and obviously the authentic self does not ever leave us. The feeling of original worthiness does not really leave us because that's all the, our authentic, who we are, right? Our authentic self. It gets very clouded over and it's kind of like the authentics, we're born with the authentic self in the driver's seat. We are born that way. And then she or he or they get shoved into the passenger seat, maybe even the back seat, maybe even the trunk by toxic messages from grownups and, you know, in our lives early on. And we become disconnected with that feeling of original worthiness. And so what's important to realize, because it, it feels like it's lost, it feels like it's gone, because when we have gaping wounds from childhood and we can feel empty and just unworthy or just not worthy of love and acceptance and we don't feel valuable and all this stuff. <clears throat> and it's because... Again, the authentic self's in the backseat of the trunk probably, but she never here, they never really leave. The shame takes over and the ego, which is the evil twin of the authentic self, takes over. And this is what's going on. And when people say, and it sounds so cliche and people don't often want to hear it because it just invo- involves putting in effort, they say, you know, they often say what you, everything you need, you already have. And that is so, so true. It's like, the authentic self, it takes, it's like an archaeological dig. The authentic self is absolutely still there. They're just sort of waiting to politely be invited back into the driver's seat, to be acknowledged, and to throw, you know, the evil twin, the ego, into the back seat and hopefully eventually the trunk. That is what we want to do. Because the other thing is while the ego, the evil twin of the authentic self, is in the driver's seat, we're not in connection with our feeling of original worthiness, our authentic self, is here's the deal. We teach other people how to treat us. So when we are not, when we have a a deficit of self-love, this is a big problema because it leaks into every aspect of our lives. It leaks into every relationship we have because we cannot fully love a partner or our children or we are um, fully be present at, at work fully be present at school. It, it just, it's, it's the number one because we cannot fully love another person, fully accept another person, all these other things. It's like an umbrella over that unconditional love is, a, is an umbrella over fully trust another person until we have all that going on on the inside, because we cannot give what we do not have. We cannot give what we do not have. And the issue here is we we teach people how to treat us. So if we're walking around not seeing, realizing our own value, we are teaching people unconsciously that we are not valued, that we are not valuable. We're teaching them to not value us. Okay, don't, I'm not, no, don't ask me. My opinion doesn't matter. I don't value myself. That's, that's what we walk around doing and we're not even aware of it most of the time. We just question externally, well, that person's a jerk. They, why do they always ask everybody what their opinion is? And they always get to me last. Those person, they might be jerks, but they might be really nice people who aren't even aware that they're asking you last because you're flashing this neon sign to the universe. Don't value me because I don't value myself.
So, just as we've been talking about with with different episodes, the first step is awareness, and I I realize it can get frustrating because, especially me with my impulse, my impulsivity. Once I get onto something, I want it yesterday. Even though I've worked, I've been working on this, you know, my whole well, not my whole life. Once I got it, I started working on it. So the majority of my adulthood, and it's still hard. And the thing is, like, oh my, I just want this value. I got onto this. I get that this is why my relationships aren't working. I get this is why I'm not respected at work. Because I'm not valuing and respecting myself, so we like the light bulb goes on. Then all of a sudden, we want it to just be fixed in in like a in a minute. It doesn't work that way. Here's the thing, though: is is it's very important to give yourself gigantic praise for becoming aware of this. That because that's really the biggest ticket. Because to me, this means you're on the path to authenticity and healing, and that is fantastic. And then really. Sort of try to be patient with yourself. And here's the other thing: if you've sort of been allowing this toxic dialogue to roll through you for a really long time, and the word is allow, right? Minecraft is about becoming the boss of our brains.、So、the, the word is allow. Then it might take some baby steps, some fake it till you make it. So、uh, fake it till you make it is a real psychological thing. It's often also used in the 12-step program. So an example would be if you're not feeling confident. Basically, to bring your best Oscar-winning actor out to act confident. When we pull our shoulders back and act confident, even if we're shaking underneath it all in a conversation with a colleague at work, they are going to treat us differently than if we did not do that. They will, because they're only going with what you're showing them, not how you're feeling inside. Right? We do put out an energy though, too. So obviously, the more you become to believe in in yourself, it's going to get stronger, stronger, stronger. But here's the thing. Just fake it till you make it, and that what what can help you fake it till you make it is actually putting visuals out there. You can drag out construction paper, or you can buy little things too. But it certainly is cheaper to make them. And whatever those agreements you made as a kid, whether you were told you were lazy over and over, told you told, you were told you couldn't sing, you told you weren't athletic, you were told you know fill in the blank with whatever it is that negative crapola that you were told, and and write your new agreement. Up and put it on the mirror and on the fridge and anywhere else you look. You know, if it was lazy, you're the hardest worker. You know, you are so hardworking. You are,、um, you're the kind of friend somebody would want to have. You are athletic. You are intelligent. You are artistic. You are amazing. You are beautiful. You can sing like you should be on American Idol. Okay, whatever it was, just flip the script and make a new agreement with yourself. And put these because there's a lot to be said for these visuals. People even do vision boards, which is a whole other step. You can amp that up, but just to put positive things. You are a rock star, right? I love you to yourself. Anything, have that stuff all over the place. That might sound like it doesn't matter, but it matters a whole lot. Also, put you can put positive stuff all over your office if you if you go into work, and that's a start. And the fake it till you make it. Got to got to check that dialogue. The other thing. Talking about awareness is make sure you when you catch yourself. Oh, there I go again. Oh, there goes my anxiety. There goes my depression. Oh, there goes my ADHD. I should have. I was talking so much that the people shut their doors in my office. Blah, 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 blah. And stop it. it. Just become when you're aware of it. Just say, okay, this is a habit. I've been doing it for a long time. We're not going to shame ourselves with oh, there I go again. Just wow, you know, I'm acknowledging. That I was starting to put myself down about that project I did at work, and I said, "Oh, it was nothing. I didn't really contribute that much." When I really spent, you know, 50 hours of the week to do it, and my whole team looked good because of it. 
and you catch yourself doing that stuff because we teach people how to treat us. I'm telling you that self-love deficit is the key to most problems. And the reason is, you heard me say in a different episode, that shame is the key to most problems. And if we could find the cure for shame across the world, we probably would have very few, if any, problems. Wars would go away. All of it would go away. That's because they're kind of, they're like the same, okay? Because shame is the source of the self-love deficit. So it's so when we start to get that feeling of, orig- of original worthiness back and learn learn to practice self-love, there is nothing more powerful in this world than that. Self-love is the key, along with getting rid of shame, is really the same. Self-love is the power. It is the power. It would heal you, heal everybody in your atmosphere because it's like a trickle trickle down, trickle over, trickle everywhere kind of thing, and healing for the whole world because self-love, unconditional love and acceptance is is the key. That's it. So there you go. There you have it. This is Kimberly Quinn signing off from Northern Vermont. Have a mindful day.